Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Plus, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I, I was I was I was really excited because I thought like oh man Ryan's got intro music to play for us nope <laughs> nope I'm nope I'm just I accidentally pressed play on my uh, on my computer nah, so, I've done that before you're <laughs> like man that's cool where'd that oh that's me and like that's my playlist yeah yeah I was like oh man I don't what but oh I I guess I just hit play that's the button yeah. I pressed okay so uh, Ryan thanks so much for for joining me today man sure. um, I'm. I'm gonna. I, I should have warned you about this, but in a little bit, I'm. I'm gonna ask you some questions once we've got some some people on here. Okay. Uh, because I I feel like we're gonna have to get them out of the way, mm -hmm. otherwise, uh, whatever. So, um, before we before we really get too far into it, since we don't really have anyone watching yet, mm -hmm. um, you and I we we were kind of talking a little about. Um, our, our kind of our studios, so to speak. And, mm -hmm. you know, yours obviously looks much nicer than, than mine. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like kind of zoom in on yours a little, like, you know, if, <laughs> if people, if people look like you've, you've got a fantastic background, you got the mood lighting behind that, uh, uh, you know, your dragon yourself. statues back there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you know, you've got the, the typical nerd room, you know, so you've got <laughs> me, I'm like, I'm like, oh, look, you know, Steve looks like he's in his bedroom and mm -hmm. hiding from his children. Sure. He <laughs> is. Uh <laughs> so, yeah, that was um, it was funny because we started doing videos right when COVID hit. And we actually did yeah. a bunch of Facebook live videos uh, called The Pivot about how businesses were changing. And I was like, oh, crap, I need to make my office look better. So I, I mean, it, what you couldn't see was the fact that everything outside of this viewable space was just trashed. I mean, it was, I mean, there were boxes stacked up. We were like running around like chickens with our heads cut off here. I had kids at home trying to e-learn for the mm. first time and it was just a hot mess. Uh, so I said, okay, we need to make this better. Um, and I spent some money and upgraded. So I got some, you know, cheap in-ear speakers so we can differentiate yeah. the, the mic, uh, which makes a huge difference on everyone's performance. Uh, 
uh mic microphone here studio lights like you have i don't have the cool ones i've got the uh the the, the, the uh, knockoffs um upgraded to a dslr dslr camera and cleaned up my background um and it was really it made a huge difference. And what we also did that you can't see is that uh, there's a curtain rod up behind me. I can clamp on a green screen too. Yeah. I don't know nice. if I uh, adjust my nice. camera. So. I, 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 as soon as you said green screen, I knew where you were going with that. Like, yeah. That's cool. So man. Let me see. Yeah. You can't really see it too well, but, um, and I just keep it folded up in the corner. So if I ever need a green screen for something or my wife wants to come in and use this setup, I can just clamp it up and throw on a green screen and it looks amazing. Well, that's, that's really cool. And I, you know, I would love to put up like a curtain rod or something like that. This is a pretty wide room though. Mm -hmm. I think this is a uh, 18 feet wide. I'm sure my iPhone could tell me, you know, yeah. but, um, <laughs> and, and then we've also got vaulted, you know, so the ceiling's doing this. Oh, so like I was, I was looking like, oh, you know, I could, you know, maybe I'll just get that like, um, that Elgato green screen. Cause I, I like the Elgato stuff. They, they mm -hmm. make some fantastic stuff. I got two cam links. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they make some fantastic stuff. So I'm thinking, Oh, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll go get a, an Elgato, uh, a green screen. I'll get the, mm -hmm. the MT version. That way I can mount it either to the wall or ceiling. And then I'm like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, cause a wall doesn't do me any good because the wall's way back there. Mm -hmm. Um, and and the ceiling, I mean, it's the ceiling's so high. I think the green screen would stop around here. Like, <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, so when I first got it, I actually got a support bracket that was uh, as big as the green screen. So it's pretty wide. The only nice. issue was that it was so bulky because of the you know the the feet are a tripod. So then you've got everything hanging down, and it was like it ended up being like right behind me. I was like, that's claustrophobic uh so then what i did yeah. is i did the ceiling trick and uh someone told me that yeah go buy a curtain rod just buy a long, super long like a 20 foot curtain rod or i don't know tw up to 12 feet curtain rod whatever it is up there and i just screwed it into the ceiling and i got little clamps and just clamp it on and for under 50 bucks we we're able to do that but there are other options out there and if you need a green screen obviously you got the lights the lights mm -hmm. make the best difference with the green screen um you can definitely do it. Uh, and, and just for the times when you need a green screen. Well, well, I agree completely. And, and for those of you that are just joining us, uh, we are live right now. It's, you know, nine Oh five on Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Yeah. I'm on COVID time still, man. Like it's, <laughs> it's so like the kids are starting to get back into school and I'm still like it, what the it, the day ends in the letter Y. That's all I yes. know. Yes, uh, yes, um, I definitely hear you there. <laughs> so, so let's let's talk about um, the the lighting thing because mm -hmm. I think one thing people don't realize is how important lighting is for their like webcam stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, e even if even if you're you're helping clients with work from home stuff, lighting is so important. I mean, you have fantastic lighting. You've got nice, even lighting. Mine, you can tell, is a little, like, washed out, um, which, you know, is is fine-ish. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> uh, I can't even think of the name of the app right now. Um, control Center. That's So if I open up my Control Center app... Yeah, that's the thing, too, is what is the screen? You know, the lighting is one thing, but then what is the screen doing in front of you that's 
being reflected, especially as a fellow glasses wearer. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then maybe I'm like, oh, so, you know, it looks very blue on my glasses. So maybe mm -hmm. I should change my light color to yellow. But it still looks very blue on my glasses. So the yeah. And, you look, and now my shirt looks washed out. Yeah, you, you definitely went red on us, too. <laughs> yeah. So so it's, you know, it's interesting all these different things that you can do with lighting and see if, if I turn my lighting down, the one thing that drives me nuts is this, uh, this Logitech camera. I, I wish, I wish the camera could stop it. Like mm -hmm. just stop screwing with the, the auto adjustments and all that. Like just let me manually control it. Like I could with a DSLR. Yep. I would be so much happy. And I know there's there's some apps, like I know there's a webcam settings and there's a couple other apps for Mac users because the Logitech app sucks. Um but I, I you know the, the webcam settings app crashes on me half the time, so why would I want to use that? Mm -hmm. Um so so yeah, I mean that's that's my frustration. And I've got a nice DSLR. I've got an A6400. Oh um, yeah. I, I wish I had a different lens. I've got two lenses. One's a 35 millimeter and mm -hmm. it, it makes it look like I'm this close to you. And it's yeah. just really uncomfortable. <laughs> like it's, it's awkwardly uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I've got the other lens, which is, I want to say it's a 17 to 125 or 19 to 125. That one will be close like at 17. would be good. It, it is. But, but the, the F stop, it, it doesn't open up enough. It's not a fast mm. enough lens. So, because of that, I don't I don't get the a blurry enough background, and I'm yeah. like I'm not gonna set up all this crap for for something that I tear down and use every weekend. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna set up all this crap for it to look about the same as my Logitech. Honestly, my Logitech sometimes looks better than my DSLR just because my background's so lame. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and a lot of that is the controlled light. Um, you know, I yeah. have no lights on behind me, uh, or I've just got my two studio lights on here, but the light there, the lights are off behind me. Um, and I've actually got a window right here with a window, um, with a room darkening shade on it. Cause that was throwing everything off too. Uh, yep. you know, it'd be like, Oh, it got sunny. And then all of a sudden my face would go real dark and then it'd come back and it'd be like, yeah, Oh, that, it's, it's, yeah. and, and, and so that's what I mean when I say light is so important and people don't mm -hmm. realize how important lighting is when it comes to, you know, doing on camera stuff. Oh yeah. And, and I know this, this probably sounds ridiculous and maybe a little vain, but, um, I, it is my opinion that. If if you're running an IT company and you're still doing a lot of Zoom meetings or whatever meetings, um, and whether they are um, uh, quarterly business reviews or checkups or you know whatever you want to call those, right? Because I know some people don't like to call them QBRs because maybe they mm -hmm. don't do them quarterly or whatever, uh, or maybe you're meeting with prospects. I I think I think you are doing yourself a disservice if you have shitty video. Mm -hmm. that's i mean that's the nicest way i can say it i yeah. i think um i don't think that we that our prospects and our clients expect us to be you know you know uh, movie production companies but i think they expect us to have something that at least looks as good as what you and i are producing and again 
I don't think I'm producing anything that looks all that great because my background sucks. But but because of the lighting, you can at least see my face. Mm-hmm. Everything looks crystal clear, high definition, all that good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's really important. And, you know, since you and I are Apple nerds, I can do things mm-hmm. like this. Hey, Siri, get to work. Hey, Siri, nice. go live. And and there we go. So I've I've literally got a setting uh, on my lights where it, it puts it at the right temperature and the right brightness mm-hmm. to where it looks the way I want it to look. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're probably like, Steve, you look really pale. That's because I don't go outside. Um, <laughs> I'm allergic to the outdoors. Okay. Um, so, so yeah. And, and, and then I've got, you know, because these are Elgato key lights, you would think that that's why I'm able to control them with, you know, that lady in the phone. If I, if I even say the word serious half the time, she thinks I'm talking to her. Oh yeah. Um, so, so I, they're, they're, they're not though. They're not compatible with home So I ended up getting a raspberry Pi. Mm-hmm. And I installed Homebridge on it. And Homebridge has um, basically like various plugins that allow you to integrate non-HomeKit devices into HomeKit. So I've got these lights. I've got all my ring cameras and doorbell. Like all of that stuff integrates into HomeKit now. Uh, even my garage door opener, which doesn't you know normally integrate. So I, I can control it all. And HomeKit... Like it sees it all as if it were, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that just worked. That's awesome. Um, I got to check that out. I've not played with Homebridge much. Um, it is cool, man. It, yeah. it like HomeKit really doesn't care as long as the device has, you know, the the bridge has the appropriate plugins, drivers, settings, whatever. Right mm-hmm. now, the guy that made the the ring integration with homebridge he basically said i'll never set it up to do uh the secure video because that'll make it so you guys want to stop paying ring duh why don't you make it well then ring will will change their settings and then it'll break it and if i just make it so that way you still want to pay ring then they won't screw with their apis too much okay that's reasonable that's reasonable. I, I can't complain about that. So, um, you know, if, if if you if you just remember that, you you know, if you want to see the history on your doorbell, you still got to go into the ring app. But otherwise, you can you can go into HomeKit and you can see what's happening live. And it's it's awesome, man. That is very cool. Very nice. So so let's talk about something that the people actually care about. Let's let's talk about some Apple device management. Yes. Um, so, so let's let's get some some background out of the way. Your your name again is Ryan Grimes. Mm-hmm. You own the company My IT Indie, correct? Yes. And tell us about My IT Indie and what sure. you do there. Uh, we started in two thousand four. We were an Apple only IT services provider, which was an interesting thing to get into in two thousand four. That was um, a terrible idea. I know, right? Who who thought that was a good idea? Well, we're still here. Um, like 12 we, Macs in all of Indiana back then. Pretty much. Well, we were doing a lot of residential stuff at that time because Apple was starting to try to integrate things together. And we all know how that goes and nothing mm-hmm. worked. And 
uh, you know, whole, you know, there was a, people had big house syndrome. We called it where they had you know ten thousand square feet and nobody did a good mesh system back then. So we were really mm-hmm. trying to cobble together airports and uh, make sure photo libraries synced because there was no such thing as iCloud and all that stuff. So that's how we got our our, our start in this. And then we uh, saw kind of the writing on the wall where things were getting easier to do for home users that we needed to shift to business users. Um, which was, again, a very hard thing to do because businesses really didn't use Apple products. Or it was like the design department of a larger company were Mac users and they needed some assistance on it. So we kind of blazed the trail there. Um, we were one of three members in the Apple Consultants Network and I, in Indiana, and I think there's maybe four now. Um, so we were really the uh, first Apple MSP in Indiana uh honestly that was before msp even existed pretty much it was weird because we kind of defined it then we're like oh hey carl palachuk's talking about what we do already that's kind of cool (laughs) like okay we're kind of doing the right thing when all the experts are telling us they need we need to do this stuff so we we were moving that way anyways and then we're finally like look we need to get everyone on on an agreement um we did the math and we came up with a price based on kind of what they were spending. And what was interesting was that it was all consistent across every business. Like they were actually paying relatively within about 10%, the same amount per user per month. That once you factored everything in, I'm like, okay, we'll start there and we'll price it there and we'll go. And everyone came on board and that's how we started this. And I'm, I'm dying to know what was that price? Oh God. Um, I want to say it was... I'm ashamed to even say because it, it was so long ago, but it was like 60 bucks a user or something like that with the machine included. Obviously, that's okay. not what we charge now, but that's now, what it was. With the machine included, you don't mean hardware as a service. You mean you were covering the user, their issues, and any issues the machine had, right? Yes. And that included everything like the network, the server. I mean, that's sure. really what we priced it at. And that made sense back then because things are so much simpler. You didn't well, yeah, have we, we 17 talking... layers of a security stack protecting their network and stuff. You know? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking 10, 15 years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when Carl released his stuff, was Mac, I, I don't remember when, like what year ish do you think you did, you did this switch? Oh, it's probably been at least seven, eight years now since we've done the switch. So okay, so I guess where I was going was I fe- I think it was maybe what was it oh six oh eight when they mm-hmm. switched to Intel. Yeah, it's been a yeah because that's about when we start. Eh, that's a good question. I need to I need to look that up. I, no, those it's, random it's okay. Apple facts are not I mean, leaving me. It's it's. It's not really important, but I guess where I was going is you you were probably already supporting Apple devices for residences and businesses, maybe, uh, by the time they switched over to Intel. We were, yes. In fact, it was January 2006. I looked it up real fast. Okay. So I remember doing uh, a migration for a couple of computers to Intel Macs, and of course, they got like the low-end Mac minis with the core solo processors in them. Uh, and 4,800, 4,200 RPM platter hard drives. So yeah, <laughs> everyone in the room just went, Ooh, yeah, that was bad. They were so I feel slow. like I just got kicked in the nuts. Yes. That's it pretty much was like, Oh, we're going to operate, update the operating system. That'll be two hours. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. And, I, and what's crazy is like, you know, I still just, 
just out of uh, reflex, when a client says, um, hey, Steve, and it, it's a small client, so we don't have like images for them or anything. Mm-hmm. We literally install Windows and then like everything they do is in the cloud. So I install yeah. Windows, set up a printer and install Office 365 and it's done. Mm-hmm. So... I've got a client, they're like, yeah, how long is it going to take you to do all this? And I just by default say like, you know, I should have it done in a few hours. Like he dropped the computer off here and um, he didn't even make it back to his office, which is 45 to 50 minutes away. I'm like, yeah, so this will be done in about 10, 15 minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's just insane. Like re- reflex. um just just to think like, oh, yeah, an OS load that takes like two, three hours, but it doesn't anymore. It, it takes no. like seven minutes. Yeah, it's Be- pretty because fast solid to state download and, and the OS is, is so lean now. Like they like both Microsoft and Apple have done a great job of making it uh, much, much easier for us to, to do our thing, mm-hmm. uh, but still just difficult enough that they need us. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, we've been in this industry long enough that you take a, something that used to take you two hours and now is a checkbox. Is it any less valuable? You know, it, it, just because it takes you less time, does it mean you've accomplished less? Do you, and a, a lot of people in the industry are like, "Well, I'm not going to charge them, you know, a flat fee for an OS upgrade." I'm like, "Why not? You're still upgrading the operating, so you're still accomplishing the same task. Just because it's a checkbox and you monitoring an RMM platform doesn't mean that." It, you should charge any less. I mean, you, you, you back in the day, you had to send a guy out there with a Windows 98 floppy disk. You know, it's obviously yeah. a different world now. But, you know, attach the value to the task you've accomplished, not to how much time it takes you. Absolutely. And, and not just that, but think about, um, think about that, that old adage, you know, why, why are you charging me a hundred dollars for this thing? I mean, it only, it only took you five seconds. Well, I charged you $1 for the work and $99 for knowing what button to check. Yeah. Yep. You know, we've, <laughs> we've all heard that, right? Yep. So, so, you know, that's why when it, when it comes to like equipment sales now with Apple products, it's, you, are you even authorized to resell Apple products? No, and we never have been. I've never pursued that. Uh, okay. We can now through the Apple consultants network, I can set up a customer with a custom store that they can order things through. Um, and I can, you know, theoretically earn a couple percentage on that, but then Apple pushes a lease and I can't make a percentage off a lease. So I'm like, why am I doing this? Uh, so you don't make anything <laughs> off the lease. Not if they go through Apple. That's dumb. Eh, yeah, it's, you know, Apple, Apple, you know, I will say this about Apple and I've worked with them for many years. I, you know, I've, I've been an Apple guy since the eighties. Apple's kind of like your, your uncle that was, had a little bit of a drinking problem. Sometimes he'd come over and be like, Hey, here's a thousand bucks in cash. I love you. You're the greatest. And sometimes he'd give you the back of his hand. You know, you just never knew. What was yeah. and they've been so they, they've grown so much and they've done so many things and they've done so many great things that they part of them still remembers getting you know kicked when they were down back in the 80s and 90s by uh Microsoft and Intel and Dell and all those guys and they're they're, they're a little punch drunk and then the other side of them is they got like billions of dollars in cash they just don't have to care anymore you know <laughs> that's true so so speaking of the billions of dollars in cash 
Uh, what's his name? Rossman? Is it Lewis Rossman on YouTube? Uh, sounds familiar. Yes. He's, he's got that, that New York, uh, computer repair shop. Oh and yeah. He, he's constantly going on YouTube with videos, bashing Apple and their repair stuff. So, so a lot of times, according to him, a lot of times you bring in your MacBook and, uh, it's out of warranty. So they don't care. So you bring in your MacBook. It's out of warranty. Something's not working right. Maybe it's just the hard drive and it's an old enough Mac where the hard drive could have actually been replaced. Mm-hmm. And they open up the computer and, and do whatever they do. And they don't know how to route the, the cables properly when, when they're done just poking and prodding and doing diagnostics to tell you, yeah, it's a bad hard drive. So, so now the computer doesn't even like turn on because they've bent a couple of the pins or one of the pins that transmit power to the backlight on the display. Like, I, I don't know how I, I fall asleep, like watching podcasts and stuff on YouTube and I woke up and, and somehow it, it went down some, some dark rabbit hole rabbit Mm -hmm. trail and I woke up and it's, and it's been on like Lewis Rossman for an hour and a half, just showing me uh, why Apple does terrible job with repairs. And, and like every one of these, it was like, Oh, it'll be at least $1,100 to repair. Cause they got to replace the logic board and the top case. And, and, and then this one, they had to replace some other things. And it was literally like they bent a couple of pins cause they, they tried to force the, the plug into the connector or whatever on the mm-hmm. motherboard. I never know the right terms for these things. Cause I never cared to look. But they, they tried to force it in, and when they forced it, they put it in at an angle, which bent a couple pins, which meant they never plugged in, and now something else is broken. And it's the Apple consultant or Apple tech's fault from the Genius Bar. And um, have have you ever experienced that? Is that just this Rossman guy looking for the worst of the worst? You know, it's we've dealt with Apple stuff for a long time, and... Uh, human beings work at Apple and human beings make mistakes. Um, I don't know what volume of repairs he's seeing. We typically don't deal with them. We, uh, we facilitate repairs either to Apple or to a third party service provider. We use and trust in here in Indianapolis and have had no major issues with that stuff. Now, we don't do one of the things we do for our clients is hardware refresh cycles. So we make sure that they're using, you know, more modern computers. So if you're talking about someone with a hard drive that bent cables or something like that, that's typically an older computer. Um, and we don't deal with those a lot. Like, cause it's not soldered to the board anymore. Right. Or everything is soldered to the board. It, now, I mean, everything is on the motherboard now. So if you actually take apart, even like the 16 inch laptop, which is like, you know, huge, I, I can't see it on my screen, but like 60% of that internal is battery. Um, yeah. It's so small these days. It, it literally, it, the, the entire computer is like a pop tart. <laughs> that's that's, it, that's it really a sum is, of man. all the parts. And you, when you get that small, you have to have things soldered on. And I'm not defending Apple in any way, shape or form. I'm simply stating that this is the world we live in now. We need to adjust. And who's going to adjust, Apple or us? Um, Apple will make mistakes. I've always had them make good on their mistakes. Like I had an issue on 
my my brand new M1 MacBook Air. This is a great story. Uh, so I ordered one the day they came out. Uh, 16 gig, the eight core, uh, one terabyte drive. I'm like, you know what? I want to test this out. I need to figure out what this thing does. Uh, and I've wanted a smaller computer. I was using a 16 inch MacBook Pro, you know, 32 gig of RAM, uh, eight core i9, just like a beast of a machine but it was heavy. And if you're carrying a machine around, that thing was a tank. Um, Not as bad as the old 17-inch MacBook Pro, but it was still a good-sized machine. So I ordered this thing up, and I get it. Uh, I'm using it as a laptop. It is smoking fast. Like, I'm doing benchmarks compared to my fully loaded, you know, less than a year old $4,000 computer, and it just smokes it. Mm-hmm. It's so much faster for a lot of the stuff I'm doing if you're using native applications or the universal universal binary applications, which are the ones that are written for ARM64. I'm like, this thing is a monster. And then I plug it into my Thunderbolt 3 dock connected to my monitor and all my great stuff here. And every time I wake it up, it kernel panics and reboots. I'm like, what the heck is going on? So think about you know, working from home. You, you, you come into your office, wake up your computer it reboots. You know, how many times a day do you do stuff like that? And I was like, this is insane. My computer's rebooting like 10 to 15 times a day when I wake it up from the just the monitor being asleep. Like the mm-hmm. computer is not going to sleep. So I, I call Apple because being in the Apple Consultants Network, we get a, a, an upgraded support experience. And I call them and they're like, yeah, we're just going to swap it. Like we don't even have parts. Like we don't know what's going on. Like we're just trying to keep our heads above water. So they swap my computer. And of course, being in a pandemic, COVID, brand new product, China's not shipping anything world, it took five weeks to get my replacement computer. So in the meantime, I'm like trying every single fix in the world for this issue, and it's not getting taken care of. Um, But I did figure out a workaround here. Uh, I'll tell you what it is in a little bit. But I mean, I've been dealing with this since November, and it's now into January. I get my brand new computer, get it set up, plug it all in, and it does the exact same thing. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, how is this a thing? And I'm digging through support and I'm finding more and more people are having issues with M1 computers connected to external monitors. I'm like, okay, there's a thing here. There's there's a problem that exists in this universe that we need to figure out where it is because I have clients that have this setup and I cannot recommend this product if their computer is going to reboot 10 times a day. So we're digging, 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 digging. And finally, I figure out a workaround. And it's if you, so I have a Thunderbolt, a call digit Thunderbolt 3 dock, which is not the problem. Uh, I've used this dock on three other Macs, works perfectly fine. The M1 Mac has the exact a, same dock. Yep. The, the M1 has a problem with it. So my solution really to this problem is that I take a USB-C to display port cable right to the monitor. I don't run the monitor through the Thunderbolt 3 dock and that fixes the issue. Now, obviously, I've got two things going on now. I've got my Thunderbolt 3 dock plugged in with all my accessories on it. And then the USB-C to DisplayPort cable going right to the monitor. So let me tell you, I'm going to shuffle some things around here. Yeah. I I did a thing a week and a half ago. And um, I I had to take my MacBook into the Apple Store and, and do some repairing. Mm-hmm. And I, they're like, yeah, it'll take, you know, a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. What? So what can you guys do for me while I'm without a computer? Because I use this for work. Uh, nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, are you guys shitting me? Like, 
I, remember you know, that thing I said about Apple not understanding business? Yeah, I like, I, well, well, here's the crazy part. Did you know that Apple has an Apple Care Plus for enterprise or whatever, and that they have uh, on-site support stuff? They do. They just don't advertise it. Yeah, so I didn't know that. Otherwise, I might have considered it. Can you are you are you able to tell me anything about it? How much does this stuff cost? Uh, it's expensive. It's really expensive. Uh, for the the Apple Care for enterprise is like fifteen thousand dollars a year. So, I mean, it, it's a lot of money. So so you're paying for a fleet of Macs. You're not able yeah. to just say, "Here's five fifty. Give give me on site support for my one single Mac." So traditionally, Apple has provided uh, hardware support to machines that are not portable. So if it's a Mac Mini or a laptop, they will request that you bring it into the store unless you have extenuating circumstances. Uh, that's you know that that's from back when I dealt with this on a much more personal level. We don't do a ton of hardware anymore, so. This is what I'm remembering. Now, if you had like an iMac or a Mac Pro or anything like that, they would come to you to fix it uh, and swap parts out. But that was a, um, you kind of had to ask for that and they didn't offer it because obviously they have to employ an outside resource and make sure that they're covered and all that so stuff. So even when you pay for the the one that includes the onsite, they really don't want to do the onsite. So I just well, it depends on what model you have. As to now, I, I haven't gone through the legalese of all the Apple Care documentation recently. I should probably do that. But I've yeah, I always need you to be an expert on Apple Care. Yes, please no, because <laughs> it changes every day and it's terrible. Um, so what they have done is they've facilitated repairs, and you can. So uh, what computer was it you were looking to get fixed? So uh, let's let's put let's put a, a pin in this for now. Okay, we'll we'll come back to that. Okay, keep keep going. It's a MacBook. Okay, okay. That's, that's so all you need to know. okay, it's a MacBook. So what they can do is they can actually overnight you a box, and you can drop it. You can put your computer in the box, and you can send it to them. And I've had great luck doing that. And we've had computers back within forty eight hours. Yeah. So so they did get it back to me relatively quickly. I dropped okay. it off on a Monday. I had it back on a Thursday. Yeah. And like I was at the store. Thankfully, the Apple store is like 30 minutes from me. So sure. I'm not bitching that I had to go to the Apple store. I'm bitching that they took my computer and shipped it out. Yeah. Like, I would have even been okay with like, oh, yeah, you know, like, you know, what, what, what do they do with iPhones and iPads? They just go to the drawer at the back mm -hmm. of the building and they pull out another iPhone or iPad. Here you go, Steve. Like, I don't need the same serial number. Just give me another Mac. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So here's an interesting story about that. I actually, I worked at Apple for a while. I was a genius at Apple about 16 years, 17 years ago. And we were the first store to be laptop certified. And that's when their laptops were a gigantic disaster to repair. I mean, they were so yeah. bad. Like the PowerBook 12 inch, like an optical drive was a two hour repair. It was so Yikes. bad. And, and we kept That's getting nice. them in. I was like, it, it, our rule, it was funny because if you talk to any of the guys I worked with, the rule was if you checked in a 12-inch power book, you had to take it apart because <laughs> you couldn't put it on somebody else because it was a terrible repair. Um, so we were in that. So so that's when I would like, oh, I, I'm sorry. One second. 
Uh, hey Jim, I need to. I need you to take care of this customer. I, my stomach yeah. just. I gotta. Go. I, I gotta go to the bathroom. Right, right <laughs> and now Jim's. Now Jim's the sucker checking that computer in, right? Well, that was also when we only had. Uh, so we were in like a thirty foot wide store, and we had twenty six employees total, four of which were geniuses. And oh, being a retail so shop, you had one like of you on staff one in the back room at any given point. Maybe wow. two if it was in the middle of the day. So that was an interesting scenario to work with. So anyways, we get these, we, we were working on these computers. And one of the things about laptops that we always had an issue with was nobody, uh, nobody ever knew if they had backups or not. Uh-huh. So like, do you want us to back up your stuff? It'll be like 50 bucks. They're like, yeah, no, I've got backups. It's fine. Well, what Apple did was they had a recall on the iBook G4 that required a logic board swap. And it also required a newer version of the operating system than what shipped. Like it was a major upgrade of the operating system. It was going from like 10.2 to 10.3. Well, so the backups wouldn't work. Well, not just that, but they wiped the drives because it would literally wouldn't boot the machine. Cause if you, if you brought it in with 10.2 on it and they put this new logic board in, it wouldn't boot the machine. So they wiped the hard drives and which you technically did authorize because you checked that box. that said, I had mm-hmm. backups and everything was good. That was like a month of disaster when all those, com- and we had like 20 or 30 computers out at that time at Apple getting fixed. Cause we, that was our overflow was sending them into Apple. And we were just like, they're going to all be wiped when they come back. We're going to have some severely angry people because you and I know, Hey, do you have backups? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got backups. Yeah. You don't have backups. Well, I actually have backups. And I said, actually, you know what? Tell them they should just wipe it. You know, send me a fresh mm-hmm. install of Big Sur because this is running the Catalina to Big Sur upgrade, and I've installed a bunch of crap that I don't need anymore, and I'm sure mm-hmm. something's broke software wise. It's just wipe. They sent it back. The thing has all my stuff on it still. Like, like you guys, come on. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's a complicated system. It's, there's a lot of people involved, and not everything goes smoothly at all times. Typically, well, they they do whatever they can to make it right. Sure. So but, yeah. So here's here's uh, here's my situation. I had what mm. some people like to call a spicy pillow. Um, I had a bulging battery. It was great because my laptop would just like wobble on a table. Oh, nice. Um, so I was typing, and it was like, you know, when you're in a restaurant and the table's just a little off balance and then yeah. you're and then you're like talking with somebody and it just keeps wobbling the whole time mm-hmm. well that's what my laptop would do as i was typing on it so they they basically and and i also had you know some keys were starting to not work right and you know just the the typical because it's a 2018 i7 i didn't bother with the i9 because all the reports basically said the i9 it gets so hot you can't actually get anything out of it anyway yep. so why bother that's a true statement Yep. So I went with the i7. I got the 32 gigs of RAM and I got the terabyte solid state. And um, it was, like I said, it was a 2018 model. So it had the the stupid, what were they, butterfly keys or? Mm-hmm. The first, what, what's yeah, the keys everyone the, hates? Yeah, the butterfly keys. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, had the, it had the keyboard that everyone hates. That's mm-hmm. all I remember. So, uh, so they replaced basically the the keyboard the mouse the battery and then like the shell mm-hmm. i thought i was getting like a new motherboard and like i thought they were just gonna swap out the whole bottom piece 
Uh, and apparently they call motherboards logic boards, whatever. So I, so they didn't though. They like, they kept the parts that weren't broken. They swapped out some things. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it, it went relatively quickly. I was impressed. They told me two weeks. I got it in three days. Mm -hmm. Uh, but because I was nervous and I didn't want to run a business on an iPad pro, which I'm close, but man, it sucks. Like trying to, because if I could just hook up a keyboard, uh, uh, a monitor mm -hmm. to the iPad Pro and have it be the full monitor and not some weird scaled thing, I'd be happy. Yeah. Uh, that, so, you, yep. So, so I said, all right, well, since you guys won't like do anything for me, can I buy a Mac and then just return it when my other one's fixed? And they're like, yeah, so here's the thing. I can't tell you that you can't do that, but we'd really appreciate if you didn't. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, well, then I'll buy the cheapest Mac I can get. That way, maybe I like it. Mm -hmm. So I got myself I got myself this M1, and it's the 8-core uh, eight eight, eight GPU, 8-gig, eight 512-gig solid state. Nice. So... I mean, it's it was a solid little computer, and there was one thing that didn't work for me. I don't I don't know if I had I think I had the reboot thing happen to me a couple times, mm -hmm. um, but I I didn't really I didn't really think about that to be honest. Um, you know, here's here's the thing that really sucked for me though. Google Drive. I'm a G Suite guy. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a I'm not an Office 365 guy. I'm not a Dropbox guy. Yeah, um, I know where this was going. <laughs> so because Google Drive is they they do everything with these old school, uh, what are what kext type mm -hmm. kernel things, um, they haven't updated their stuff, so it, it's just not supported on big on on Big Sur or on the M1. I'm not it's, entirely it's the sure M1 which. specifically. Yes, I know all about this issue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 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 tell me, are there any online storage solutions that work well with Big Sur right now? Um, anything that doesn't utilize. So basically, what the issue don't is, tell is me it, anything that doesn't utilize that because I understand that part. Tell me name. I want names. Oh, okay, uh, Dropbox. Uh, <laughs> okay, Dropbox works perfectly. Uh, OneDrive with SharePoint works perfectly fine. Okay. Um, we've had good experiences with those, uh, box and Google drive file sync are the two big ones that are not working. Okay. Um, they utilize the same underpinning technology that they knew about for eight months that would not work. And they didn't get an update out the door that would work. So hmm. basically it's any, uh, cloud file sharing system that mounts a drive on the desktop, like box and Google drive yeah. do does not work. Yeah. It, it's well, and I gotta say, I love. Well, and and I'm told that if you install the latest update of Big Sur, you can at least get what is it, Google Drive backup and sync working. It's the Google Drive file stream I want yeah. working because yeah. I don't want it syncing things to my computer. Yeah, I loved that it would just you know temporarily download things and then upload mm -hmm. them back and then get rid of them off my drive. And then I I could tell it like, no, I want you to keep these couple of folders local at all times. Yep. Um, so Dropbox doesn't do the mounting as a drive thing. Mm -hmm. But the, do they do they offer the we won't keep everything on your computer thing? 
Uh, I don't know how it works compared to Google Drive. We're not Google users, so I don't know uh, the capabilities of that. But we've got, uh, I've got a personal Dropbox account we use just to share small things around the house. And it seems to not clutter things up too badly. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't know um, how it compares to Google Drive File Sync. I know that uh, Box did the same thing that you're talking about with the mo moving of things off your local computer, and it was great. Um, we've got a fairly large client with about uh, 35 users that can't buy an M1 computer because they live and die with Box. So, right. yeah, uh, Box Sync works, but that's not... But you don't Anything. want to sync all those files. No, we can't. Like mathematically, it's impossible. <laughs> they've got over oh, a terabyte of data. Yeah, uh, because they've got all, uh, it's a law firm. So they've got all their case files in there and discovery documents and all that. So they keep all that in box. And it's been, there's a lot of data in there. We just can't store it locally. And Box Drive has traditionally been a great solution for them, but we can't buy new computers. All right, so... So you open Pandora's box, and here's now where I have to ask the tough questions. Okay. With with this law firm, do they have any compliance, regulatory compliance stuff that they have to adhere to? Um, they have guidelines, but they don't have. Uh, they have the traditional uh, cybersecurity E and O liability stuff that they have to adhere to for their insurance companies, um, but nothing on a state level. Uh, that there's no uh, requirements for law firms in the state of Indiana that I know of. Um, and, and my, my, the owner of the law firm is pretty tech savvy. He's been on top of that too. Now, okay. having said that, if you are negligent, that's a whole other story. Like if you're like, I don't have any sure. backups. I don't have, you know, I, I use, you know, my Gmail account, I, all this other stuff. Yeah. But, but they're not doing like, um, they're not doing like healthcare cases or uh, financial cases or any anything where where they might have to suddenly adhere to HIPAA or SOX or FINRA or whatever. So right? we've done. We are they are complying to HIPAA um, just because it was you know we're like okay we're almost there anyways let's just finish this out and you know make sure that you're uh, complying with everything, um, but nothing specific. Uh, they haven't had requirements now. They have had clients, you know, inquire, and we've provided a, you know, a document to them that they can give to their clients, stating, "Yes, this, these are the, these are the steps we take, and these are the services we use to secure your data." Um, so you can be, you know, assured that we are doing everything in our power to make sure that you know nothing bad happens. But at the end of the day, it's you know, somebody could click on a link and <laughs> could, anything could go sideways at any given point. Right. I mean, that's, that's the Absolutely, kind of the world yeah. we live in. Uh, we just try but, to make it but a little you've bit done, You've done things to at least button up all of the, the major yes. uh, points of, of entry. Yep. So uh, with them being HIPAA compliant, they don't actually have to be HIPAA compliant. They just kind of are. Yes. Yeah. They just kind of are. That, that, that's exactly, that's a good description. They just kind of are. Yes. Okay. They just, we aim for that and nothing they do approaches the need for that. So we can just say that we, you know, we are aiming for that level of compliance. And um, okay. if you aim for that, it's kind of like aiming for the gold medal, you know, you, people looking for the bronze are going to be like, okay, you've aimed for the gold. That's good. All right. So do you have any clients that are 
uh, medical HIPAA compliant type stuff? No, we don't. We don't. Okay. We don't really play in that space, uh, just because it's not traditionally been a huge Apple platform. Uh, but we do Windows as well, uh, so it doesn't really matter. But traditionally, we don't do a lot with medical. Okay. Um, so, are you familiar with a BAA? Yes. Okay. Uh, but since you're not dealing with any medical, it sounds like you probably don't have any BAAs with clients. Nope, we do not. We do not deal with medical. In fact, we've walked away from medical where we're like, I would never authorize anything that you're doing and I'm leaving. <laughs> just because it was such a disaster and they were just like, we're never going to change this. Like we, we, they, and to be fair, like they couldn't afford it. It was, they had to, you know, it, it was a medical facility and they had to spend a lot of money. And just to get up to date, I mean, they were like doing things that were horribly out of practice uh, and not compliant in any way, shape or form. And I'm like, look, you have to make these changes. Like, we're not going to I'm like, OK, then like I'm out. <laughs> like, I, please don't call me ever again. Hmm. Man, well, good for you for, you know, knowing that that not every client or prospect can be saved mm -hmm. and good for you for knowing your limitations as well. Uh, because it sounds like you are also probably avoiding it because, you know, not not to put you down or anything, but you're probably not an expert in it since you're not mm -hmm. doing it. You right. Know, like like you said, you, you're striving for it, but because you don't actually have to um, maintain compliance, you probably could be missing something. Right. And, and, and you have no idea because you just you just don't look it up. So, so good for you for, um, avoiding those types of clients that actually need it and knowing your, your strengths and your weaknesses there. Um, so, so let's talk about actual Apple management. Okay. So, um, so, so you probably like every other MSP that's doing Apple management, you're just using Adagy, right? So what makes you so great? Uh, well, we started off using Adagy because it was the only uh, MSP-focused tool out there that uh, checked a lot of boxes. Ooh, I'm full screen now. Let me uh, yeah. uh, adjust my... That's cool. Uh, so we were pretty much... Uh, our goals aligned with Adagy. Obviously, as an MSP, we, we love things that invoice monthly. We love things that are uh, scalable for growth uh, and and shrinkage if, if we end up uh, you know not needing as many seats. So Adagy was perfect for that. Uh, what we we started off with Adagy and started enrolling computers and Adagy at the time was very small. They had a limited development staff and our needs did not necessarily line up with their roadmap at all times because honestly, they probably were catering to bigger clients that had bigger needs. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we did end up uh, making the decision to move to Jamf Pro uh, at, at the end of last year. Actually, it was October, November timeframe. And the reason we did that was because finally, uh, Jamf realized that they needed to get into this space and adjust their uh, pricing and and uh, their their billing because it's expensive. It was the 800 pound gorilla in Mac management if you weren't an MSP and they needed to uh, they wanted to get into the space because ultimately they understood that they were not servicing our industry. 
but they also were trying to play by Apple's guidelines, which Apple's guidelines, again, Apple doesn't understand business uh, really all that well, and they don't understand management of Macs specifically. Uh, that's a whole other show we could get into. Um, in fact, I have gotten into it <laughs> on a couple other Apple uh, management uh, Facebook Lives and podcasts because you have to be able to do certain things as an MSP. Like if the at the end of the day, if there's like, oh, crud there's this security update we need to push out right now uh with apple's mdm spec which is what they recommend to manage max i can't do it so we needed a way to do that and that's where adagy really came in and they were the first rmm utility that understood max and the owners having coming from having come from kaseya understood this as well and they did a uh, great job of getting that platform launched. Now, I did not agree with their roadmap. Um, and we had a couple of technical issues. Uh, there was once about three years ago where uh, th th there was an update pushed in the middle of a workday that was not properly vetted. And we had a client with uh, like, I don't know, 25 or 30 of their laptops spontaneously started rebooting. Um, which is super awesome because they were all executives. And what happened was we ended up having to, I don't remember exactly what the fix was, but we had to, we had to put in a lot of work to get them to stop doing this thing. And it was really frustrating because it wasn't anything we did. Like it was something that our vendor did and during the middle of the work day and had a glitch and caused a problem. And I was like, you know what? I'm sorry. I can't do this anymore. You've cost me like a day and a half worth of work. I need to find a better way to do this. So we we muddled around. We went to Mosul, which is an MDM provider, uh, very good on the MDM side. But again, it was lacking the tools we needed to do our job as an MSP. So we incorporated Monkey, M-U-N-K-I, into that workflow. But that was a lot of technical knowledge and the documentation was not where we needed it to be because, you know, we don't have, we don't have, we didn't have a dedicated person to just figuring this out which is what a lot of uh, these solutions needed to, if you do it yourself. So we monkeyed around with that for uh, for a couple of months and said, you know what, I'm, I, as the business owner, am spending too much time dealing with this technology and it's not doing what I want it to do. I need something better. And then uh, a good colleague, a good friend of mine, Mike Castaldi of Wild Frog said, you know, Jamf has an MSP program now. You should check it out. So he did an e-intro to me. And it was uh, a life-changing thing. Like I was like, okay, sign me up. I'm done. Or no, I'm sorry. Let me backtrack. He said he went to Jamf and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Jamf too. Like I just can't deal with this. So I paid a full year of Jamf Pro for the machines we needed uh, because they only build annually. And then we moved everyone over to it. And it was a life-changing event on our side because things were so much easier uh, updates would work. Things were branded properly. Like we had a great self-service application in the dock of everyone's computers. They could file tickets. And, you know, the integration with our PSA is not there yet, but uh, that's a whole other thing to worry about. But I could officially manage all my Macs and my iOS devices in a platform that gave me the most power and was the easiest to use because the documentation was amazing. And I could follow everything and people wrote, you know, people did videos on how to do stuff. And Whenever you look at Mac management documentation, chances are it's written for Jamf Pro. And it was super easy to just follow the instructions and these things would do what you needed them to do. The added That's bonus cool. 
was that they came to me like a month later and said, hey, we got this MSP program. You should totally sign up. It's actually cheaper per month and we bill you per month. I'm like, can I get signed up like tomorrow? <laughs> so awesome. yeah, they came to us and now uh, I'm saving a ton of money because obviously every every thing that I put on a computer costs me money, right? So I'm trying yeah. to, you know, to keep that low, but they have uh, also adjusted it for monthly invoicing, which helps out MSPs getting started. And the only downside to it, and I don't know if there's going to be a fix to this because it's actually an Apple issue, is they're not multi-tenant friendly. I mean, it'll work kind of, sort of, but not as amazing as you want it to work. And there's no PSA integration that I know of to Autotask PSA. Um, if I'm missing something, uh, please, somebody <laughs> let me know. But there's a couple of things that aren't perfect with it, but ultimately it's made my life a million times easier. Uh, our, our techs are like, oh, I need to do this. Let me look it up. Oh, look, here's someone wrote up how to do it. Okay, great. I'll just import it and I'm done. Um, so so with Jamf, you said that it doesn't really support multi-tenant. So do you have just one MSP thing you log into and you can manage all your clients? So we have shoehorned it into back when we started before they had the MSP program. I was like, okay, I'm not buying like 10 jam servers. There's just no way like the finances didn't work. So I'm like, I'll buy one and then put everybody on it. So it works. It's just not, you have to be kind of careful because it's not fully like a supported configuration. Um, but you can tie in multiple Apple business manager accounts to it. You can tie in multiple, uh, VPP for app purchasing. You can tie those in and, and direct them to the correct client. It's just not, um, it's not as nice as Adagy's interface was for a lot of this stuff. And I'll be honest, Adagy did a really good job of the multi-tenant side of this. It's just, that's not what Apple wants you to do. So these vendors are kind of like, okay, do I listen to Apple or do I listen to my clients? You know, who who do I listen to on this stuff? And it's kind of, I'm rather the person I'd rather ask for forgiveness than for than for permission. So we will make our stuff do the best we can with um, the things that we're, you know, the tools that we have. So uh, I'm going to try to make this work as easily because what happens is if you don't have a so. Let's take another step back. Multi-tenant aware means like I can have more than one client in there, kind of like, you know, data RMM or connect wise, these things work. You have, you have your account and then all your clients are in there with you. So we have, um, what the issue is that, uh, with Jamf is that you have to, it's not truly multi-tenant aware. So technically you would have to set up a, ser a Jamf server for each client. Now it doesn't inc inc increase your cost or anything, but if you're doing like security profiles or any of these things, you either have to program it via the API or you have to manually put them in as profiles and app, app installs and branding and all that stuff. You have to do it for each one. And that becomes something that can become unwieldy unless you're willing to use the API. But again, we're three people like diving into an API and configuring it is not uh, something we have a whole lot of time to do. So we don't. Hmm. So, you know, you, you said you use Autotask. Mm -hmm. And you said you, you work with Windows too. So are you using Data RMM? We are. Yeah. And I think it's a very solid product. Um, I know that a lot of people in our industry are going towards, uh, and vendors are going towards a, just the per technician and free endpoints. Um, and I've been on Datto for four or five years now. And like, I have no intention of leaving. Like it works. It does everything we needed to do. Our, you know, I've not had any issues. 
Um, it, you know, we can do everything we need to do as a business. So I'm not looking to remove that as an expense and kind of go the all in one route yet, but, um, it works. I'm happy with it on the window side. You you said that, that the vendors are starting to go that route. There's only two vendors I'm aware of and there's a Terra and Synchro. Um, Okay. A Terra, uh, everyone I've spoken with from a Terra has not been from around here. Um, in fact, the, the last time I spoke with them, it was two ladies in Israel. Mm. Now that's fine, but I, I think that some MSPs might have concerns, especially now about like, where's my data hosted and Mm -hmm. who else has access to it and that type of stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. so I have nothing against, you know, where they're from or, or whatever. Right. But I know that there are there are many people that are going to be worried about the integrity and the um, I can't think of the right word. The the sovereignty, I think, might be the right yeah. word for for our data. Mm-hmm. Um, Synchro, they are based out of the U.S. And, and I'm I'm making it vague because everyone like, like works from home. Synchro has been a home based company since they started so you know when when the pandemic happened like you know they they just woke up and like oh okay it's thursday like (laughs) whatever because because they already worked from home so you know and and i keep forgetting that but then like you know crystal uh crystal hankel from from senko you know she she and i have been have been doing a lot of these uh podcast recordings lately Mm -hmm. and and like every time I connect with her, she just does like a little bit more in her home office. And most recently, like she completely revamped the whole thing. Like she painted the walls the synchro color. Like <laughs> like she went all out, man. Like wow, that's you know, she, all in on that, yeah. Oh yeah, like she had she had some like custom stuff made. Like so so that tells me a few things. Like one. Uh, they take care of their people because I know if they didn't take care of me, I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of money I barely have mm-hmm. to to outfit a room for it. Uh, two, she loves that place, man. And that says a lot when, mm-hmm. you know, she, she might be one of the, I'll, I'll call it like founding employees. But at the end of the day, I, I think she still might just be an, an employee, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, she's she's been there since the beginning. And... That, that says a lot to me about, you know, her dedication within that mm-hmm. company. So I would say that between the two of them, it's probably a much easier sell uh, to get, to go with something that we know is American. Uh, we, we know that all of their all of their developers are employees and all of their employees are here that I that I recall. I don't remember, mm-hmm. but I think they're all around here. They might have some that are that are overseas, but that might be honestly just because it, it helps them cover a, a wider clock, and yeah. honestly probably helps them save money uh, because you know reasons, right? Mm-hmm. I would do it too, like, um, but but I don't think like you know Connectwise, Datto, Kaseya. Uh, is managed workplace still a thing? Uh, like all all of these other tools. None of them are, are are like that I'm aware of switching to the pay for the user and get all the agents free. I think it's just these couple of new ones. Sure, where, and that where makes sense. I mean, 
a lot of these companies are still like, uh, uh, who is it? Um, Kaseya loves the three-year agreements. Like I am not oh, signing yeah. a three-year agreement if I can get, find any other way around it. Like, because in three years, everything's going to be different. And if Absolutely. your product ends up sucking two and a half years down the road, like I'm still stuck with it. So, well, and, and, you know, to, to take what you're doing right now with, with Jamf and Apple devices, I really think that MDM is where we really need to be looking for Windows devices. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless unless Datto really starts to up their game, and all of the you know MSP tools these days, to be completely honest, unless any of them really start to up their game, um, you know, I, I think they're going to lose to whatever Microsoft renamed Intune. Uh, Lighthouse, wasn't it, or something like that? I think that they've got a... Uh, yeah, the, the the writing's on the wall with this stuff, right? I mean, it it, I mean, Apple bought Fleetsmith; they're an MDM provider, so uh, the writing is on the wall for this stuff, and that's why it's important for us to not be a commodity. Uh, we need to, mm-hmm. as an industry, if we wish to survive, it's like you know the computer repair shops. You know, obviously with you know the Mac, you know, with uh, Apple and Microsoft, these providers going to all-in-one computers that have everything soldered on, like that's not a thing anymore. Computer repair is dead unless you go to the vendor. So we need to make sure that our expertise is, and honestly, what makes us the most money, because I enjoy making money as much as any other business owner. What those things are is not something that can be commoditized. It's expertise. It's knowledge. It's the relationship with the client. It's its a lot of these services that we provide that aren't a commodity. Um, we don't sell RMM. Why? Because it's silly. Like uh, that's, a, that's a commodity. What we sell is the business consulting and security that's based on these commodities that can change because let's be honest, like some of these vendors get bought out or some of them turn poorly or they make bad decisions or they make a bad product or something comes out so we can interchange them as needed in order to make sure our clients are safe and secure and there was a time when all we installed was a meraki firewall because that's what was the best thing to do at that time well we've got an issue where we can get gigabit internet for really cheap here in indianapolis and nothing meraki sells for under 10 grand can handle that so now we need a different solution so i didn't know that yeah I'm I'm not a Meraki guy. I um I I like the Ubiquity stuff and I don't know, do you do you do anything with Ubiquity? We do a fair amount with Ubiquity now. It's been kind of our go-to as of late and knock on wood, it's been pretty solid. So so have you seen everyone complaining that, you know, supposedly Ubiquity like broke everything over the last few days? Um, there, there was something like the logins broke or something like that. I, I, we were busy doing other things. Uh, we were doing some phone deployments, so I wasn't really into our, uh, ubiquity hardware as much, but I did hear something about that. I, it did not affect us cause I didn't need to get in, but. Well, it sounds like from, from what I've gathered, people are upset because ubiquity disabled the ability for you to use a cloud key with multi-tenant. Yeah. Okay. That's right. And and I just I'm sitting here and I'm I'm completely baffled as to why anybody thinks that's a good idea <laughs> because right, yeah. I mean cloud keys are designed to be in a single site like they're not even designed to be multi-site for the same client even if there is a VPN like mm-hmm. I, I just wouldn't do that right. so the fact that some people it sounds like they're setting up cloud keys like 
you know, in their, in mom's basement or wherever they set things up and, um, and, and using a cloud key as, as a unify server. It, that's a terrible idea. To, what was that? I said, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> it, it is. And, and for obvious reasons, one ubiquity just disabled it. I think they might've re-enabled it because of all the, the pushback, which mm-hmm. scares me even more that there was that much pushback that they turned the feature back on, you know, like mm-hmm. how many people really think this is a good idea? Like they are not selling these things for you to turn into a ubiquity server. No, no, they're not. But like in our industry, like here's the thing we can have, we charge a certain rate, right? We are, I would consider us a premium service and we don't get every job because sometimes we're more expensive than the cheap guys. And we got guys charging 30 bucks a user now for unlimited support. Like who can make money doing that? It's the guys selling people can be doing that. Yeah. It's the guys that are hosting a unified cloud key in their mom's basement that has no recurring cost, And that's how they're managing all their clients infrastructures with zero cost. Like we can't offer that level of service because we put in more than that cost is into our right. clients. So yeah, I mean, that's in ubiquity stuff is fine. And one of the things that I think, you know, I was not a huge ubiquity fan. Um, because honestly, the firewalls are not amazing devices. They're just they uh-huh. they leave some stuff to be desired. However, they really do with everyone working from home now, I feel that the security shift the, the security focus has shifted from the firewall to the endpoints. Um that's because true. everyone's working from home, it doesn't for a lot of clients, it doesn't necessarily matter if their firewall is there because nobody's at the office anyways. Like they're not there. So why are well, we? And I, I guess that depends. You know, does the client have servers on site at the office still? Then we might. Yeah. Then we might need to have uh, some good firewalls and and the security there. That but, is true. Yes. But for those it, considerations, know, yes. But a lot of our small clients have no servers in their offices anymore. Yeah, and that was literally. I was just going to say, how many of your clients actually have servers these days? A couple, like we actually quoted a server for a client then like, well, we're going to move to the cloud for this one line of business app. I'm like, okay, good. Because <laughs> like, this is stupid to put a server in for this yeah. one thing. <laughs> I, I remember 11 years ago, shifting my clients to the cloud. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I was in my region of Northeast Ohio, I was kind of at the forefront of let's go to the cloud. Everyone else around me is like, no, 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 you don't, don't trust the cloud. You need servers. And I'm like, no, they're stupid. You don't need a $10,000 server project. You just need to spend a couple hundred bucks a month. Let's put you in the cloud. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, make, make this an expense that's easier to write off and doesn't hurt your, your balance as, as bad as, as this other thing. Um, cause both you can write off just, just one hurts less. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, and then, you know, and then some MSPs, well, you know, capital versus operating expense, like, no, nobody cares when we're this small, they right. just see bank balance, low food, hungry. Ah, ah. Something happened. Oh, you're back now. Yeah, I do now. I heard bank balance low, hungry, and then ah, and then you froze. (laughs) Oh, that's yo. I was I was just saying like you know nobody cares about that type of stuff because most of our clients are small businesses. Um, They they don't you know the accountant cares and the client still doesn't care. 
the client's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. I, I don't care about all that, Mr. Right. So, it, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I get it, man. Like you, you, you might have a dozen servers that you manage and everything else is cloud-based. I, I mm-hmm. don't know. I'm guessing. Um, how many, how many endpoints between Jamf and DataORMM do you have out there? Ballpark. Um, that's a good question because we've been migrating things around and we just onboarded a new client. I want to say we're at like almost 300 endpoints, uh, between everything, once everything is said and done. And what are you charging for? I'm going to call it the all you can eat MSP stuff. So the answer to that is it depends. Um, and it depends on risk. So here's, here's two examples. We have, um, a client that is very laid back. If the Wi-Fi goes out, eh, that's okay. They'll just deal with it. Um, or they, you know, they they have a new employee starting. Okay, they may tell us, you know, the day they're there, and say, you know, hey, we just need an email. It, it could be a pop email because they don't want to pay for office. I mean, it, 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 that's kind of the uh, business that they run. It's very laid back. They are obviously not as, um, high risk as uh, the law firm we're talking about before. Mm -hmm. Um, the law firm, if like, if an attorney can't print or they can't revise a word document, that's a, first off, it's costing them money because they can't get the things done. Second off, it may be in violation of like a court order because if they have to present this documentation to the opposing counsel and they can't, that's a huge problem. Or even worse, if the government, you know, the the FBI is coming in and says we need access to these things and they can't provide it, that's even worse. So they are a different price point than um, the other agency that maybe doesn't care as much about stuff or if the, the internet goes down, oh, we'll just work from home today. No big deal. Um, they're all using Dropbox or some other file sharing thing that you know has pretty good reliability and they don't care about a lot of stuff. Um, so the answer to your question is it depends. Uh, and it depends on what security stack they need and all the stuff we need to throw in there. But we are we tend to be on the higher end of what is charged, but we deliver uh, excellent value. And that's what I think the most important thing is because we offer these things. And if you don't want them, that's okay. But maybe we're not the right consultancy for you because if I can't care more than you do, and if you don't care about a lot of this stuff, then why should I? And if it's the most important thing to you, like our clients that have production floors or attorneys or anything like that, that they're absolutely losing money. If anything doesn't work, it's worth it for them to pay us. Um, so it's tough to gauge that, but we are probably at the higher end of what people charge these days. I know we are because I've seen quotes from competitors that are like a third of ours with all in support. I'm like, they're not giving you, uh, the endpoint security. They're not giving you the quarterly business reviews. They're not giving you the hosted DNS filtering for all your fleet. They're not giving you, uh, the security updates. They're not giving you, uh, the, the owner's cell phone in case you have an issue. They're not giving you hardware refresh cycle or iOS management. They're not giving you the same level of stuff that we are. So yeah, they are cheaper. Okay. I'm all right with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you notice I didn't so, answer your question because the answer is it depends. <laughs> but I still want a number. <laughs> uh, so the the range is anywhere like... 
if you had, so we've got some clients that have um, a lot of computers, like, so they would have <clears throat> 10 employees and like 30 computers because it's a warehouse floor. There's computers scattered throughout the warehouse. It's 120,000 square feet of stuff. And there's computers all over the place. So we typically charge around starting at about $30 a computer uh, for our for, for us to even have it on the network and manage it. Um, and managing is like uh, Datto and a couple other utilities um, uh, for security. I think it's Sentinel-1 and his DNS filter and a couple of other little things we run there in the background to make sure that the network is being optimized. And then the users typically are between about $50 to $150 a user a month, depending upon what services they want. I mean, it really, that's what it comes down to. Okay. And what kind of SLA they want. So so it sounds like you you break things down for people to make it a little easier for everybody. So, you know, I, I know some people are like, oh, it's, you know, 100 bucks a user. But what if they have 12 servers? Right. What if they need Datto BDRs? What if they need this? What if they need that? Well, it's 100 bucks a user. Like, but why? Like, did you just pull a number out of your ass? Or do, do you actually know what your costs are and what your margin's going to be. Mm -hmm. And if this company is going to be, you know, less profitable than this other company, because you're just charging the same arbitrary rate to everyone. Yeah. Um, exactly. So well, they also don't factor in labor. Like what is it going to cost to support this company? You know, what is your man hours per employee per month? Some, someone told me yesterday that they insist that you should be including uh, 75 minutes per user per month. That seems a bit high. To I me. I agree. I agree. And this is a person that is heavily automated. So it sounds like if I'm guessing, it sounds like what, what's happening is they're, they're doing a lot of like meetings and handholding and, training and other stuff because the the automation is doing so much that they're sitting down with the clients to actually have uh like like planning sessions instead mm -hmm. of instead of being <clears throat> so reactive they're they're sitting down and saying hey so you know we we just sold you a bunch of uh uh Dell uh workstations with you know 18 core CPUs in them. So now you're able to, to do your rendering in 3ds max instead of it taking three days. You said it takes you like three to five hours. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's next on your horizon? You know, what, what do you see yourselves changing in the next one to three years? Like, and, and it sounds like they're having like a lot of these really great sessions to, to work together as a team. And, and that's going to, to kind of like, get you in there better, right? Because because now you're at the ground floor, you're helping them make decisions. Um and and it's almost like they need you because now they don't just see you as the guy that's doing the computers. They see you as part of the brain trust, you know? That's that's still a lot of time. It was it 75 minutes per employee? That's what it sounded like, yeah. Because well, I was just got, doing the math on one of my clients. I'm like, that would be an entire week we sat there every month. Um, well, they're saying that that's what you should be estimating. 
hmm. as, as part of your your costs as as like worst case scenario shit hits the fan servers die mistakes were made you know that that type of stuff you should be estimating 75 minutes per employee because over the course of if you're doing 36 month contracts over the course of the 36 months you might find that if they had a catastrophe or two that it averages out that it that you did that mm-hmm. and they also they also include projects too okay so, like so they they are 100% like all you can eat now they the, they'll probably say like depending on the size of the company, yeah we'll we'll install your servers for you, and we won't charge you any extra, but we're only going to give you like twelve hours of project stuff a month. So, I mean, if if it takes me three months to do it, you can't bitch because I'm not charging mm-hmm. you extra. If you want it done faster, here's here's my rate. Well, that's a great thing about being a managed service provider is that managed can mean anything you want it to mean. Um, mm-hmm. And if that works for them, okay, that's good. That seems like something I wouldn't do, but that's yeah. why, you know, uh, that's it's, why we have discussions. It seems, it, it, seems, uh, it seems kind of convoluted in a way, to mm-hmm. be honest, but I mean, it works for them. Sure. So. And we don't know what they're charging either. I mean, they could be charging 250 <laughs> bucks a user, 300 bucks a user. So. Yeah, you're you're in the range. Yeah, so that makes sense. Like you can afford to do those things. We are not at a point where we can charge three hundred dollars a user. In fact, our clients, if they saw this, would probably be like, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. But that's you know, if you if you can charge those rates, you can do those things. It's like if you want to buy a BMW, you're going to get a great car. Like, okay, great. You <laughs> you're also going to spend twelve hundred dollars on an oil change. Yes, or whatever stupid price. I don't even know. Like. I would loan a BMW as long as they threw in all of the uh, the regular maintenance over the three years. I think they do now for leases. Yeah. yeah. Yep, it's all in. Yeah, because let me tell you, man. All you can drive, yeah. right? <laughs> no, yeah, but- I don't even drive that much. I think I could probably pull off ten to twelve thousand miles a year, maybe if I tried hard. Like- oh God, no. Uh, <laughs> In 2020, I uh, I drove 20,000 miles, um, and that's uh, with Ryan. And, I'm not sure if you knew this, but you were supposed to be locked in your bedroom in 2020. So here's the thing: we have clients <laughs> that were in food distribution that oh. were considered essential, and we had to service them. So yes, we had to do stuff. And on top uh, of that, I've got kids and activities and all that stuff. So we were, you know, we'd take my car if we we're driving somewhere because it's cheap to drive. Um, so we would do that on the weekends, but yeah, it, it was, I, and that was an off year. Usually I'm about 30 to 35,000 miles. No, thank you. Um, lots I'm, of audiobooks. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm happy that I'm able to do most of my stuff remote. Um, yeah. So, so let's, let's get back into Apple device management. Cause if you haven't sure. noticed by now, squirrel. Uh, yeah. so, so talk to me about about what Apple device management actually looks like for your team. How, how many people do you have working with you? Uh, there are two and a half of us. There's a full-time tech. There's me and I'm the overflow tech and like level two, level three, if he needs help. And then there's our office manager slash marketing person slash cattle prod wielder that gets us Got moving it. forward. So, so what does Apple device management actually look like? You know, like, I, I suspect you guys are what like logging into Jamf every day, clicking some buttons, 
moving some things. Um, kind of. So what we've done, uh, I am I fully subscribe to the work smarter, not harder mantra. Uh, traditionally, Apple device management, like let's say the Office applications, right? Because everyone uses Office. So what you would traditionally do is you would go to Microsoft's site and you would download every one of the Office applications with the day they came out with new ones. Uh, you would make a new installer in Jamf Pro. You would drag the application into Jamf Pro. You'd wait for it to upload and you click uh, you know, upgrade and then it would look for the machines that you had that ran older versions and then you would force that package to download and install on the computers. Uh, but we don't, we, we started off doing that. And I was like, man, that's a big pain in the butt. Um, I don't like doing that anymore. That's a, that's labor, right? Labor sucks. I don't want to have humans do this stuff. So we've been experimenting with an, uh, with a plugin for Jamf Pro called Installimator. And what it does is it forces the computers, uh, if they meet a certain requirement of the version of the application is uh, a version old, um, it runs this script based on certain criteria. So one of the things we do is we have them, every time they change Wi-Fi networks, it might run the script or it might run it every week or two, depending upon the client and depending upon their needs. So uh, what we do is we have it traditionally run when they change networks because it's usually like, okay, I, I get to work. Okay, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee, open my computer, oh, there's an update. Okay, I'll do it. Um, or when they get home at night, they open their computer or they're working on Saturday. Okay, I got time to do this. They can do it then. Um, and it what it will do is it'll run a script and it will go to Microsoft's site based on the criteria that they have. Uh, they are not on the most recent version. It will download the application from Microsoft's site and then uh it'll be fully automated and we never have to touch it so what uh, we have a a, a patch require or uh, a patch management aspect uh i'm trying to think here a patch management uh rule in jamf pro where if office is not the newest version and somebody has to manually update and that's somebody on jamf side that does that so that's why that's where we get that definition from then it does all these automated things so it may say hey my it needs you to uh log out because we have a bunch of apps to install or it could be something as simple as um hey we're updating your apps in the background uh we'll let you know when we're done okay so um we try to be as le uh, as uh, least intrusive as possible because obviously clients are busy, especially law for, you know, lawyers are very busy. They don't have time to do this stuff. They need to bill uh, and work on their clients. So we've uh, done a lot of automating of the stuff behind the scenes. And honestly, like a lot of the apps tend to update themselves and it's mainly trying to get them to stop doing that, <laughs> like Zoom and Slack and uh, some of the other apps that uh, they they use are um, apps that will update themselves and kind of get out of control from us. So we try to disable that and handle it all ourselves. But one of the things we're seeing is that things, you know, knock on wood, things don't tend to break as often as they used to with software management. Um, I mean, I, we all remember the days you'd like push an Apple update or uh, there was like an Intuit update for QuickBooks on the Mac mm -hmm. that literally erased your desktop. <laughs> And anything on there. So like any documents you had on there and they weren't just gone. They were super gone. Like they were deleted with terminal and just trashed and you could not get your data back. Microsoft just had the same things. They lost what pictures, everybody's picture folder in one of the windows 10 service releases. So those things have kind of gone away for the most part. 
And we don't have as many reservations uh, about running, cutting, you know, release software as we used to. Got it. So like what, what really do you need to manage on an Apple device? I mean, you know, everyone says they just work, right? So, um, <laughs> you know, you, you hand somebody their Mac, you, you install Jamf, you make sure they've got whatever else you need to install on there. And then you're done, right? Like, um, so the answer to that question is, you know, the same things you have to manage on Windows devices. You have to manage security. You have to manage. We use uh, Max Jam. Can't get viruses, Ryan. But here's the thing: <laughs> Mac users can do dumb things the same That's way true. Windows users can do dumb things. That's so they can true. click on that phishing email. They can click on. Uh, the executable they're trying to run that will launch this website. Uh, you can install malicious profiles on Macs that will redirect DNS settings and uh, or you know mine Bitcoin in Chrome or whatever the heck those ones are doing. So you can do a lot of these bad things. And honestly, the the main attack vector we're seeing now is cloud services. They want to log in. They want to get. They want to fish your Office three sixty five account. They sure do. And some of the stuff we put in place doesn't allow that to happen. Multi-factor authentication is required in all Office 365 tenants. Uh, we utilize some third-party DNS servers. So if you're bound and determined to click on that phishing link, like you should not be able to go there based on the criteria that we've set in the DNS filter. So a lot of these things that we're doing is to protect other things from happening. It's not just the computer itself. Um, but so, we, so just like us Windows people... You know, you, you've got the, uh, you know, the Office 365, the 19 different spam filters and security filters that get plugged into that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there might be an AV software that you're putting on the Mac because you never know. Mm -hmm. um, DNS filtering, uh, more filtering, some more filtering. And then when you thought you were done, some more filtering. Mm -hmm. uh, so So it all really is like cloud-based stuff that you're doing for the Mac people, just like the Windows people. Yeah, and that's what we talked about commodities before. We utilize different platforms for the Apple side. We've tried the one dashboard to rule them all, and it's just not done it for us. Like we were all in on Sentinel-1, and then Sentinel-1 said it's going to take us six months to get our M1 Apple Silicon compatible agent done. I'm like, but they I can't six wait six ago. months. <laughs> Like I needed, like, where were you, what were you guys doing? And and to be fair, Apple moves goalposts on developers faster than any other company. So uh, we ended up going with Jamf Protect, which is another Jamf product. Um, and we're pleasantly surprised because it's a whole framework of security. Uh, it, it's not just like, hey, you're, you've got this bad thing on your computer because that's easy. Um, it's doing things like, okay, uh, this government, document says that uh or this fbi document recommends you know 15 minute screensaver timeouts you have 20 minutes you need to adjust this accordingly uh uh this isn't managed you really should manage this uh you have the ability for someone to do this okay they shouldn't be able to do that on their computer based on this recommendation so it's really like a framework of it basically like a bunch of check boxes with decisions you have to make and how secure you want to make your clients um, some of that security does complicate things like people aren't going to be super happy about their screensaver kicking on after five minutes or something along those lines. But at the end of the day, like that may be a thing that you need to do. 
Um, if they're in a high traffic environment, they may need to, you know, to log in after the screensaver kicks in with their, their Azure AD credentials on their Mac, because that's a thing that we need to push these days. Um, now, hold on a second, Ryan. Uh, Microsoft makes Azure AD. You oh, so Azure there's AD a, on a, on a Mac. You can use Azure AD on a Mac, and there's actually a bunch of different ways to do it. Your MDM provider should allow for that uh, based on, uh, um, God, I can't think of the name of the thing, uh, not single sign-on, but uh, Federation, Apple Federation for Apple IDs. So the myitindy.com is a federated Apple ID. So any what that does, it ties, um, you ever see the sign-in with Apple stuff? So my Apple ID for myitindy.com is tied to Office 365. So whenever I click log in with Apple, it takes me to Microsoft. And then I log in with my Office 365 credentials and that authenticates me back to the Apple service. It's the same thing with computers. You can use Azure AD credentials on a Mac. Now you do have to use third-party utilities to make it happen right now, but it will work and it works pretty well. That sounds sexy. It kind of um, does. It, you know, it, it's it's kind of like, okay, it's the same password for stuff. And if you change it, it's the same one everywhere. And people are like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, yeah. yes. So Azure AD for Mac, does it make it easier or more difficult for you to manage stuff on the endpoint? So Apple makes it difficult for us to manage stuff on the endpoint. <laughs> um, so the... Biggest pain in the butt that we have is that Apple views a computer as that person's device. So your Mac mini is your device. It does not matter that me as the business owner purchase that device and want to manage it hundred percent. My thoughts and you know, my thoughts and prayers don't matter. So here's where we're at. Um, Apple is very big on privacy and they have made it less than ideal for if you called me, Steve, and you said, Ryan, I can't get this Word document to work, and I've never remoted into your computer before, uh, we've got to check some checkboxes before I can, <clears throat> excuse me, before I can get in. And it's a large pain in the butt because it doesn't always work. So if you utilize a tool like Splashtop or anything uh, along that uh, road for the, this, you have to pre-approve those permissions before the user gets the computer. You used to be able to do that with an MDM and with profiles, but now you can't, they've stopped that. So now our technicians, whenever they onboard a person, they establish a remote session to that computer to pre-approve all those things. Otherwise, what you have to do is you have to walk the, the user through it and it's not an ideal situation. And I get why they do it. It's screen recording. Uh, they don't want a user to not know their screens being recorded, but at the same time, the hoops they have to jump through on a managed device, enrolled in an MDM, enrolled in Apple Business Manager, and verified to be a business person should have access to do those things. So there's this privacy battle that's going on, and Apple doesn't listen to us in any way, shape, or form. They don't have to. They're a $2 trillion company. They don't have to listen to anybody. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like they want their stuff to be used in businesses and, <clears throat> you know, the, to to be utilized in this fashion. But they need to have a compromise on the management of it. And uh, if you know anybody there that would like to have a conversation with this, I'd love to talk to them. But frankly, I don't. My opinion and 50 cents will uh, maybe get me a can of pop. <laughs> um, it would be yeah, nice if they stop moving goalposts. Vending machines. <laughs> well, the stupid thing was is so a lot of 
like a higher education and big corporations, if they have Apple devices, they don't make the users admin users, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, that that's a whole other discussion. We've done admin users forever for all of our users on, on the Mac side and knock on wood have had very like zero issues in 16 years. However, I can see where that would not want to be the case where you have a highly managed environment and you don't want them to be admin users. Well, with Big Sur, it was actually an issue because they weren't allowing standard users to approve the capability for someone to remote in. So you could not remote in. And I know a bunch of my colleagues had to go to bat and like large universities that said, we will never purchase another Apple device ever again if this is not fixed because I can't support my users. Why would I buy your stuff? Like this, you're you're being too private. And Apple in one of the beta releases, late beta uh, for Big Sur, uh, changed policies and and now allowed standard users to approve uh, screen recording. Well, one thing that I um, got really frustrated with, you know, I I might manage half a dozen Macs. So Mm -hmm. I think you and I are probably on the opposite end of the spectrum. Sure. Um, So... I was able to install Adigy, and then the great thing with Adigy is that uh, if you are managing Adigy from a Mac, you can you can just hit the you know remote control button, mm-hmm. and it opens up the Apple Remote Desktop feature, mm-hmm. and and that's like super easy. With um, when when I sent a screen connect or whatever they call it now, connectwise control. Yeah. When I sent a, an agent for that over. Oh my gosh, it was pulling teeth, and then it yeah. still never worked. Yeah. It was like we need you to enable screen recording for this. Okay, I did. Well, we still need you to do it, but I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you could go ahead and do that for me, like no, I did. So I ended up like canceling Screen Connect and going somewhere else because I I, I was like this is stupid like I I ended up getting rid of Screen Connect and just having Adigy just because mm-hmm. why why am I paying for this if it doesn't work and yeah. you know I've I've got my my several dozen uh, Windows endpoints that I'm still managing these days and you know everything works fine in Synchro with it like mm-hmm. they're, they're you know it's all HTML5 based for them. It could be a little bit better. Um, yesterday, I was having some troubles supporting a client through it, and I, I was like, "Man, uh, you should have kept sync. You, you could have, you should have kept Screen Connect, Steve." And then I looked. It was like it was like Jekyll and Hyde over. Shut up! You don't know me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so I mean, like, I literally, so like, I would say once every six months, I yell at myself about getting rid of something, right? No, um, oh, I know, right? That's we we're all in that. And every every year we reevaluate all of our tools and say is this the best way I'm doing this? Is this the best tool for this job? And if it's not, then we figure out if it's worth switching and then we usually say no because it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> right. So, what other fancy tools are you using for Macs with your clients? Um, that's okay. So we use everything with Jamf Pro for the, for the management of it. Um, we push all of our software, we push printers, we push configuration, security profiles. Um, that's what we use for that. Uh, we uh, pretty much live in, um, a splash top, uh, business. That's what we use for our remote access tool. And because we're data partners, we got, uh, uh, SOS splash top for a year for free. 
Um, so we use a combination of those two tools. We have some clients that we cannot automatically remote into their computers. They don't allow that. So we utilize a SOS Splashtop in those instances. Mm-hmm. We also resell Splashtop to clients that have desktops at their computers. And what we can do is enable them to have the Splashtop business app on their home computer and remote in to their business computer. And they can do all their work there. They can even print back to the printer sitting at their home office if they need to. So Uh, what license do you need for that? uh, Splashtop business is the tier that it's called. It's like the purple one at that if they're doing colors still. Uh, and it works really well. It's not horribly expensive. I think it was like 800 I, I bucks for like, 250 endpoints or something like that. Okay, that's not bad. I, I've got a guy, I think he said he's still using LogMeIn Central and he's got like 1,500. And when he looked, like, and, and he might be spending, I don't know, however many hundred a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. But but when he looked at at Splash Chop, it was going to be like thousands. It depends because they've got a lot of different tiers. Um, I think he was just looking at it as, oh, it's ninety nine bucks a computer, so I need to sell everyone this thing for ninety nine bucks a computer. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, if he had, yeah, it can get pricey. I mean, if you're talking thousands of computers, it can get for for remote support um for, yeah i don't know they've got so with, many licenses i'd have to dig through they got so many different licenses there <laughs> it's ridiculous but but okay so with with splash top business you're paying for the number of endpoints managed not the number of end users using it correct um because i know so with, you, with control it's it's a combination of both it's like um for a while, it was like, all right, you can have one concurrent user and mm-hmm. a maximum of X number of desktops. And I'm like, why are you limiting both? Like, one or the other? Because it's ConnectWise, man. They got to squeeze the money. Well, let me tell uh, you, man, they're yeah. they're gonna they're gonna have to do something because they've they've squeezed a little too much, and I think their partners are all pissed off because they keep squeezing and not updating any security issues. Yeah. Yeah. We do uh splash top. Um, it says the tab says for remote, uh, for managed service providers. Um, it's remote support plus is the tier. And it was, we did uh, 250 computers at 829 a year. Okay. So that wasn't will, too bad. And that's a price. I, and what we did was we, we resold it to people who needed to get into their computer. So it ended up being a wash. I mean, it was, free or we made money on it so so i see they've got uh plus and premium and basically what i'm hearing is you know if if they've got nine thousand computers 825 dollars a month or 9900 annually and that will cover all those computers and you can give unattended access to all 9,000 end users if you wanted to. And you just mm-hmm. unfortunately probably have to manage a, a whole bunch of security. <laughs> yeah, there's <policies> that. <laughs> when, when it comes to like, all right, this person's allowed to access this computer. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can do it is what I'm hearing. Yeah, you can. Yeah. And, and they don't care how many concurrently are connected right now. Nope. 
Okay. Excellent. And it's been pretty sick. Like we had a situation where an office, uh, the, the office manager had to print checks and mail them out, but they were using QuickBooks desktop, multi-user. So she was, uh, she, she needed to stay home and work from home, but everyone else is at the office. So what we did was we gave her a laser printer and a stack of checks sent her home and she's using her desktop at home. Actually, she's using a computer, a company provided computer at home too. Um, and she's remoting in and then you can add the printer sitting next to you, uh, in splash top. So you can be working at your office and print back to your home office. And she was printing checks and mailing them out. And because I mean, it was a lot of checks, it was like hundreds of checks a month because they were paying people and paying vendors and stuff. And they did it all with checks because that's how they roll. And it was, it worked perfectly. Like she can print off all these things that she's never been back to the office. They just have the checks actually mailed to her, or she goes in once a month to grab another, you know, ream of checks or whatever and just prints everything off at home. Oh, my, my thing got delivered. Yeah, I know um, I got something good. Something I delivered here too. I don't know what it is. I'm like, I can't even keep track of this stuff. One second. Sure. Um, all right. So I just asked my wife to bring it to me. Um, Ooh. I want to, I want to open this on the air. Um, because okay. I think it's I think it's cool. So I'll, I'll switch over to you for a second. Um, what I'm going to do is, so that way she can come in here and she doesn't want to be on mm -hmm. camera and all that. So I'll switch over to you. Uh, do me a favor. Tell me what kind of like bag you use. Oh my god. <laughs> tell oh, tell me what kind like... of bag you use for for like commuting back and forth with clients and whatnot for your computer and whatever else. Okay. So I'm what they call a bag whore. Um, I love bags. I've got That's probably awesome. 10 sitting over there, uh, depending upon how uh, and what I need to do. Um, mm -hmm. So I've got, I actually like this. Uh, it's by a company called Maxpedition. And it is a, it's a tougher bag. It, uh, it's designed to carry, if you've got, you know, some clothing as well, you can carry that. Um it is also a concealed carry bag in case you go that route, but it that allows is cool, man. That is cool. It's a backpack and it, it looks nice. It's not like a janky looking, you know, uh, a paracord backpack or anything like that, but it folds completely open. You can t put a ton of stuff in there. So if I'm doing a project that requires me to take a lot of things that I'm going to be carrying, I use a backpack because uh, I've, you know, shoulders, backs, the whole deal. Like I'm not as young as I used to be. Things hurt. Let's not uh, be standing around with something hanging off one shoulder and pulling you down. Uh, my chiropractor would probably kill me. But on a day-to-day -day thing, I've got a, a, a bag that's a canvas and leather bag from uh, 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 Waterfield, which is sfbags.com. That's, uh, that's I, what my next bag will be. I love their stuff. So I've actually got the bag for my six, 15 slash 16 inch, but I put my 13 inch in there and okay. it's amazing. It looks so nice. I mean, it, honestly, like with the MacBook Air, you can't even tell there's a laptop in it. I mean, it, there's just nothing in there. And I've got a little bag of uh, parts that, you know, obviously we need 
adapters and all that crap. So I got the little bag of parts that I just tossed in there. I could toss my iPad Pro in there. And again, it doesn't weigh that much. But if I'm going to be like, hey, I need to bring some tools or I need to bring this thing on site, I don't use that bag because um, <clears throat> it's just, it's not health. It's not good for me to have it hanging off the side like that. Uh, I don't, yeah. I try to carry less. I mean, I don't carry keys. I try not to carry many credit cards or you know, anything like that. I carry my phone and that's about it. I'm trying to carry less stuff. I've also got a, uh, a, uh, another SF bag, Waterfield bag. That's very thin. So if I'm just carrying like my laptop and, you know, with the M1 laptop, if you're just going to the coffee shop for a couple hours or to the co-working space for a couple hours, I don't need the power adapter because the thing's got like 12, 14 hours of battery life. Yeah. So I'll leave all that stuff at home and I'll just carry the laptop and it literally looks like a man purse, <laughs> but it's, uh, I, I can just slip it in there and it's super easy to carry around and I don't have to, you know, lug a huge stupid bag with me because I hate carrying stuff around. I'll, so so let me tell you, my next bag is going to be the Waterfield Tech Folio 16 inch, and I'm actually going to put it here on the screen. Okay, this nah. is the bag that will be my next bag, and it's just like you said. I, I want to carry less, not more. Mm -hmm. So so the reason I want this bag is because like it opens up completely like this. It'll hold just my Mac and the the few essentials that I want to take with me, and that's it. That see now I, I may have to buy that one too. <laughs> like I now, said, so I got and I want to get the wax canvas. I want to get the the Supreme suspension strap, and I think I would have them throw in the mouse pad just because I'm already spending over two hundred dollars. What's another thirty, right? I don't yeah. even need a mouse pad, Ryan. I use. I use the the magic trackpad two or whatever they call mm -hmm. the thing. Yeah, but here's I, I mean, sent you a link to the one I've got. The uh stayed attache messenger bag. Let's see here. That's so I, I looked at this one mm -hmm. and I I just decided this is way too big. It is. It it, it can hold a lot of stuff. It looks like it can. It absolutely does. So let me show you what I got. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm actually going to stop screen sharing. And, and let me show you what I got. What I got is a Nomadic. Uh, here it is. Okay. Nomadic. And uh, I'm, I'm literally, I'm opening this up right now. First time. I forgot to say, bring me my keys. And I don't have my tool on me. So I don't get to do this like really cool like those unboxing video guys. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have the sexy knife with me, right? So you open it up and this is nice. Life on the move. Okay, I've heard of that. That's a it's a backpack, right? Uh this one might be. I can't remember. I don't remember anymore. And then it says, go make your move down here. Pull this guy out. Okay, they got a bunch of stuff now, yeah. So like even this bag is fancy. Look at this. Nice. It's one of those reusable like zipper bags. Mm-hmm. To put they put a bag in a bag, Brian. That's how that's how <laughs> you know you've you've made it to the big time. Yeah. And they put your bags inside of bags. 
So this one is the Nomadic Messenger bag. Okay. It is a 15 liter. I don't know how That's many gallons bag. that is. Um, <laughs> That's a big 15 bag. 15 liters. That's like seven and a half bottles of Coke, right? So uh, you open it up. It does open up all the way here. And it has this divider thing. Mm -hmm. And then it has another divider thing. And then it has another divider thing. Yeah. And it's got like all this space and stuff. I don't even know what the heck this thing is, but it feels important. Oh, it might just be to fill out this, yeah. this thing inside here. It feels like it has something inside it, though. It does. Inside it is a little pouch. <laughs> so, Put your glasses and you know what? There. I bet that is a sunglasses case. Yeah. Because they don't have an actual like hard area for sunglasses. Mm -hmm. So I bet you that pouch and box is where you would put your sunglasses. Um, so, so this thing here is some kind of organizer Tech. thing. Well, organize, yeah, okay. And then there's the strap. Mm -hmm. And then there's uh, all this nonsense. And I'm still just in one of the pouches. <laughs> so this thing is uh, some an additional organizer thing. And this thing is actually the reason I got this bag. So it opens up and you see it, it like unfolds here. Sure. And what I'm able to do with this is these unfold and then it all just kind of Velcros together. And it makes like a little box, we'll call it. Huh. And then once I once I get all of these put together, it'll have three divided compartments, and I'll be able to put my DSL DSLR camera, a lens, mm -hmm. and some batteries, and, and whatever else that's big that I want to put in that thing. And all of that fits into this giant compartment with a zipper, and then over here. On this zipper is where the IT magic happens. And here's where your mind's gonna be blown. Mm -hmm. It has, open this up, big 16 inch laptop and a tablet thing here. And uh, the tablet thing is supposed to be able to hold my iPad Pro. Nice. So should be able to hold a 13 inch. Okay. So let's test that real quick. <laughs> iPad Pro helps if I go inside the right one. This would be so much easier with a table, right? Yeah. The iPad Pro fits inside that smaller pouch perfectly. And then I still have a big pouch to mm -hmm. put my MacBook Pro into. Perfect. So that is why I got this bag, because now on, um, I talk about it enough, everyone knows, now when I go into church on Sundays to volunteer, uh, I can take my MacBook, my iPad Pro, there was another spot I can put my iPad Mini, my AirPods, all the charging cables, my DSLR camera, I can take all this gear into the church, 
and have it all in one comfortable bag, not mm-hmm. all just thrown in there. Yep. And that's the most exciting part for me. That you is know, very cool. Yeah. Throwing it in there. But my next bag will be that uh, that Tech Folio 16 inch because honestly, that is all I need four or five days of the week. I need mm-hmm. this big bag literally once or twice a week. And I don't want to carry that big thing around the rest of the time. No, that's and I'm yeah, sick of I buying totally these, and I'm, and I'm sick of buying these cheap, janky. Not that they're not that they suck or anything, but they just don't serve the purpose I need them to. Like even the the nicer nicer Swiss gear bags, like mm-hmm. they're nice, but I think it's time to get a big boy bag. And yeah. Have something nice to carry around and, and look like a professional instead of some kid that just got out of college. Yeah, and that's you know that's one of the things. Whenever I go to a conference, like here's your bag. Like I don't want a bag. <laughs> Please yeah. don't give me a backpack. Unless like it's I've, a I've, water field. <laughs> exactly. I mean, even like the Ogio ones. I mean, they're fine. They do the job. But everybody in our industry, like, look, I don't want to look like a dude, look like an IT guy with an Ogio bag. And everything, all the the same stuff everyone else has. Like, have some style to it, you know? Absolutely. (sighs) Anything else that you would like to share with the people? The masses? There's literally ones of them watching. Ones. That's awesome. Ones. Uh, You can't even say there's hundreds or dozens. There's there's ones of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Honestly, like... You know, one of the things that uh, after having COVID and getting over it and, uh, you know, evaluating things health wise, it's it's going to be really hard to accomplish your business goals if you're not taking care of yourself, Um, because your business goals, as you increase them, it puts more stress on you. And uh, you can't argue that, like, if you have more things to do, it's going to require you to do more. So if you're not if your body is not in the shape that you want it to be in, then you need to investigate making the changes that you want to have. Even if you are working from home or you are uh, in a confined environment, there are things you can do. You can change diet. You can start exercising. You can go on walks. Um, There are things you can do to make yourself healthier so that you can perform better at your job. And that was something I really struggled with uh, because I was not doing that last year. Uh, we were kind of in keep our heads above water and see what happens with our client base sort of mode. I did let myself go to the point that I needed to make a change in November. Uh, I started adjusting my diet and uh, trying to get more exercise. Uh, the main thing I did was a diet because that was something I could do without changing my schedule because we were busy. Um, it just required a little bit more planning, maybe bring lunch with or uh, you know, n- st- stopping eating out. That's a huge thing. Um, but bringing lunch with or making sure that you're you're eating a healthier breakfast, uh, less coffee is better for you. Um, and then I uh, started feeling better and started getting you know my my health back under control and getting back down to the weight I wanted to be at. But it also gave me more energy and more clarity of thought because I wasn't doing the the, the bad habits that were you know dragging me down eating crap food, uh, perhaps having uh, you know too many beers every week or, mm. you know, uh, not getting enough sleep or, you know, doing all those things. And now having gone through COVID and being this and, and, and doing these things, it was a, a, a changing experience for me because as I was a little bit healthier, I was able to get back on my feet. I think a little bit better 
uh, and <clears throat> now that I'm through it, I, you know, continue with eating the things that I should be eating and, uh, not having, uh, the alcohol was a big thing, but also making sure I get enough sleep. And that has helped me focus and to get things done better and to do my job better. And with my job is to run this company. So we uh, have definitely uh, turned a corner on my ability to get things done, which being the boss is a huge part of what our company does. Like, don't underestimate things that you can control and change that can possibly put you in a better spot to do what you want to do better and ultimately theoretically make you live longer. Awesome, man. And I know there's, you know, going to be the people watching this going, yeah, you know, I would work out, but I'm allergic. You know, it's weird. You know, I, I start sweating. It becomes harder to breathe. I just have like these weird reactions, but, uh, he's, he's right. I'm, I'm one of those people. And, um, I, I started doing Noom, um, okay. Black Friday, and mm -hmm. uh, I I feel like you know fifteen pounds is was a huge change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still have a huge change to go. Like, <laughs> but it's it's it, you're taking steps forward. Like that's all mm -hmm. anybody can ask is that you know we we keep moving forward. Yeah, and small change. And the, the one thing that I think is, is important for people that uh, maybe they are a bigger guy like me and you probably feel, or at least I would feel like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's impossible to lose weight because that means I can never have, you know, Oreos again or, or whatever. Right. And, mm -hmm. and Noom says, dude, you can have Oreos. Just don't eat a whole freaking row of Oreos. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there, there's a reason it has a serving size on, on the back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, now, now that I'm looking at this and going, oh, so I, I'm not, I, I'm allowed to eat rice. I'm allowed to have noodles and bread and all, like, I don't have to cut out all this stuff and, and, and go on like weird fad diets because mm -hmm. those aren't sustainable. Um, no. So I'm, I'm pumped about that. But awesome. You know, I, Congratulations. I, I That's a huge shift. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, seriously, Ryan, I, I feel, I almost feel bad because I feel like we, we could have, you know, we could have dived way deeper into Apple device management, but we had such a great conversation. So yeah, we did. That was a lot of fun. Um, hopefully everybody else enjoyed it. Would love to have you back again. Maybe you mm -hmm. can like show some of us that have never used Jamf what Jamf mm -hmm. looks like and how to use it and maybe set it up as an MSP that would like to better support their clients who are inevitably getting Macs because that's what people want, man. They're sexy, yep. right? Everyone wants the sexy thing. It's the battery life, man. That's the thing that's good. They're fast and they have yes. like the 12 or 14 hour battery life. That's a huge thing. Man, I, I never got more than four hours on this MacBook Pro. Oh God, no! My my, even my brand new one, the 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 one from twenty nineteen, I've three maybe four hours, and then the the hundred watt battery uh, charger is like this yeah. big in your bag, and this thing uses the same charger my iPad uses, the thirty watt it's charger. Insane. So, um, I I I don't remember if I said so, but Google Drive, four uh, G Suite using the um, backup and sync app. Mm -hmm. 
I'm told works when you have the latest Big Sur update installed on your Mac. Okay. So I would I would say give that a try if you have any G Suite clients. Like, say, hey, can I test this out on my computer real quick or whatever, so that way you can verify it's actually mm-hmm. working. That way you can you can help your your clients. Um, Box. So I just got an email. Of, I actually just got forwarded an email about that from a client, and it looks like uh, in April it's going to have full support. So I can get a new Mac soon. You absolutely. I'm, I'm returning yeah. this one. Yeah, I'm going to return. The, uh, I, I sent you the Google Doc. Someone just sent, someone literally just sent it to me. <laughs> That's awesome, because I uh, yeah. Drive file stream release notes upcoming April 2021. Uh, version 47.0 will support Apple M1 devices and will have additional bug fixes. I think this might be the first time Google has ever said, hey, here's what's on the roadmap, because they probably don't want to lose a big chunk of their of their customers. Yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest, they probably have a boatload of people that are on Apple devices. Oh, I'm sure. Including their own employees. Like how it's not like you didn't know this was coming. Apple gave you eight months of warning. They did. They really did. And gave you the hardware to make it. (laughs) They also did. I forgot about that part. Yeah. For 500 bucks. It was just a glorified iPad running. Yeah. Big Sur, but. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. It was uh, an iPad shoved in a Mac mini. And for 500 bucks, you got a device that you could use and you got all the developer tools. Like that's all you know, they charged for that thing. Yeah. Did you, uh, do you have a developer account? I do. Um, it is, uh, it's a hundred bucks a year. I it's know, worth, I know. Yeah. yeah. It's worth it for the uh, beta stuff that you can yeah. test and break and, uh, and you don't actually, develop anything though, right? No, no, I can't. Uh, we oh, the other thing, if you're going to be deploying a lot of, if you're going to be managing a lot of Macs, get a developer account because if you ever need to uh, create a profile or uh, a package to install something, you can sign it with your developer certificate, and then it won't throw red flags at the Mac because that is becoming a thing that Apple's doing more and more as well. Good to know. Um, and then with the developer account, did you buy that $500 iPad and a Mac? I thought about it, but no, I was, I had just bought my 16 inch, uh, and that thing was a monster. It was like, uh, eight core I nine 32 gig of Ram, one terabyte drive, the upgraded video card. So I was like a $3,300 computer, um, that my main tech is now using as his, because he has a bunch of virtual machines and stuff. Uh, that he uses for testing software. So he needed it more than I did. Um, That's the other downside to the M1 is you cannot do any, uh, there's not been any released virtualization tools. So if you have to run VMware Fusion or Parallels and run Windows or any of that stuff, it flat out will not work. Do not try it. It will not work. It's it's an architecture incompatibility. So keep that in mind. That is very good to know. Yep. All right, Ryan, let's yep. do this again sometime. Absolutely. I'll go um, sign up and uh, we'll get it a couple months down the road here. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll do maybe in a couple months, I'll show you my new Waterfield bag. There you go. And That'd then, be awesome. And yeah, then you I know. Can, I could. You can teach me how to wax the canvas. Yes. That is true. That's important, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put that on my to do list. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. 
All right, everyone. Thanks so much for for attending, guys. Uh, mm -hmm. Let us know in the in the comments if you have any questions in the future, and I'll be sure to let Ryan know on the next one. Awesome. Thank you very much, everyone. Take care, guys. Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today.